Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. You know, this morning's message is the gift of peace. Uh, One of the things that I've always thought about humanity was that if you if you want to see humanity in its uh, in its unconstrained reality in that you know in church uh, in in society in, in every aspect of society there is a constrained humanity there is social responsibility there is a a burden that rests on all of us about what we can and can't do what we should and shouldn't do but there are a few circumstances in life where all of those things are kind of set free one of those is when someone gets behind uh, a computer screen and they've got their keyboard in front of them and they're going to send an email it's like it's like that sense of isolation from the rest of humanity empowers them to be something that they're not in real life. And, and they can just verbalize with typing the sort of things, the frustrations, the anger, uh, and they can vent on people and they can say the most terrible things. The other thing that causes humanity to, to reveal its true nature is driving. <laughs> And driving and typing on a keyboard are two very similar things. The thing that with them is that you are in an isolated position with a powerful machine. (laughs) And your isolation makes you the god of your world. You, you You have decided what is true and then you agreed with yourself. That person over there, they're driving, that person is an idiot. They are a terrible driver. That person, that, 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 what is that person doing walking down the road? They're going to get run over in a minute. Oh, I think I need to honk the horn at them. <laughs> and you decide that you are the greatest driver in all the world. You decide that every other driver should be locked up, that they are insane, that they, they are not capable of driving. And, and you what, because you are isolated from the rest of the world, your, your mentality means that that you're in charge and, and you have a very powerful machine to prove it. And so these, these combinations of things uh, just create this sense. It's the, the world calls it road rage, uh, but I just call it a humanity uh, operating in its full capacity. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just what humans do when given the opportunity to be human. Um, and I, I was watching a video on the news. Uh, you may well have seen it as well. It's two lorry drivers that, that collided on the motorway and their collision happened in front of a traffic camera. And so there they are and you may well have seen it and one, uh, one uh, lorry had obviously hit the other one and they're pulled over to the hard shoulder. The first thing that happens is they get into this fight. They get out and they, they get into this fight and the other guy's got his head and they're, they're, they're fighting each other and then they separate uh, and they get into their trucks and the guy um, 
in the front lorry who feels the most wronged. Uh, he, he gets into his truck uh, and he puts the truck in reverse and he drives it at full speed, smashes into the cab of, of the other lorry. He drives forward, he gets out, he gets his shovel and he smashes the shovel into the driver's uh, side window and he's just going hammer and tong at, at this guy. And I'm looking at the video and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder when that guy got up this morning. <laughs> Well, how he thought his day was going to go. <laughs> I mean, I don't think people plan these events. So I don't think anyone gets up in the morning and goes, you know what, I'm going to try and wrap my shovel around someone's face today. I, I'm going to have one of those days. I just think I should. I don't reckon. I reckon he thought, well... I need to get down the road. I've got to be there for 10. Traffic's getting hard. I'll just drive a little bit faster. And, and, and I think he just thought that. He was in his own world, doing his own thing. And, but, but suddenly someone collided with him and, and his world fell apart. And he was, he was seeking his own sense of justice. He was looking for justice for the wrong that had happened to him. He, he was the judge and juror and he decided he would, he would shorten the whole police process and, and just vindicate himself and, and just deal with this situation in his own capacity. You know, it uh, reminds me uh, of, of how uh, in the book of uh, Samuel, how in these situations can be avoided. It says in 1 Samuel 25, and 18, and this is the story of how David was roving the countryside with his men. And he happened upon the farm of Nabal. Nabal was a very wealthy landowner with a lot of sheep and etc. And David decided to set himself up as a protector uh, of this farmer. Uh, and he did so without any request or, or any demand. But when he came to the point where it's like, I need to feed my men, he went to Nabal and he asked for food and Nabal kind of rejected him. Now, in our kind of thinking, we're thinking, well, David, you're a bit of a chancer. But in reality, the way it worked in those days was the farmers actually, there was no police, there was no, there was no army, there was no defense corps. So actually, if you've got a guy uh, like this, um, if you've got this guy like, like David uh, going around, this is a good thing and actually you need to pay some tax. You, you, you need to pay for the services David has provided. And, and, uh, but Nabal was a, was a mean-spirited, um, self-righteous man. He decided he wasn't going to pay for it. And his wife Abigail realizes that, that the result of this is just going to be bloodshed. It's going to be wrong. This is, this is a car crash on the motorway and the guy with the shovel is David and he's going to take vengeance. So Abigail decides that she's going to resolve this situation. In 1 Samuel 25, 18, it says this, Then Abigail made haste, took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five... I wonder what they were wearing, Tully. Oh, wait. I mean, it was probably woolen. Um, five sears of roast grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, Oh, that sounds good. And loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. So it was as they rode on the donkey that she went down uh, under the cover of the hill 
And there were David and his men coming toward her, and she met them. Now David says, surely in vain I've protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, and has nothing, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. David's ticked. That's the that's basically the short version. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed to the ground. And she fell and she fell at his feet and said, "On me, O my lord, let, uh, on me let this iniquity be, and please um, let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my lord regard this scoundrel neighbor." Nabal, for as his name is, and so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young uh, men of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now... This present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Now, the resulting story is that Abigail was able to avert an injustice with a gift. And the amazing thing about justice is that justice can be appeased with a sacrifice and peace can be established with a gift. Justice can be appeased. It says that when Christ gave his life, that the gift was sufficient for the injustice that had happened. You know, you see, see, God can demand, he can demand of us our life. But the gift of Christ came, and as the gift came, the gift satisfied the Father And it meant that he didn't have to bring about judgment for our sin. See, he appeased it. He didn't write it. He didn't write your wrong. He appeased your wrong. Because your wrong is still your wrong. And and actually, I mean, how can you write your wrong? You you did it. It happened. End of story. What are you going to do? How can you write that? But he appeased it. By bringing a gift. And here we have Abigail. And she comes and she she brings this gift. Because the gift of peace changes the perspective. It says in John chapter 14. Now in John 14, Jesus has had the Passover meal. And in, in John's gospel, we get the full extended version of what happened in John's gospel. And what happened is that they'd had the Passover meal and now Jesus is, and they're all full of this meal and they're satisfied and they, they ate and Jesus has washed their feet and he's talking to them about the end days. This is his final message before he gives his life. And of course, they don't understand this. They're just aware that things are different. Jesus is different. He's talking differently. He's acting differently. And, and, and he's bringing everything into a place where it's like, well, I, I, don't, I don't really understand. He's saying things about, uh, I go with my father. And, and, and Thomas and, and Philip are going, well, where is your father? And, and he says, you know me, you know the father. Well, and show us the father. They're all confused. They don't know what's going on. And Jesus says in John chapter 14 
And verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it as the, to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be distressed or lacking in courage. Now, what that means is I give you peace, but I don't give peace like the world gives gifts. The world gives gifts in terms of manipulation. In other words, the, the world gives gifts in terms of giving you this, now you owe me. So I receive a gift, but I receive it at a cost. I've been given gifts before, um, or people have offered me money, come up to the church and they've offered us money. And, and, and I've, I've realized that the, the offering wasn't a free will offering. It was an offering as in, you receive this, now I, owe, I own you. It's like they're buying me. And it's like, you know what? I could do with the money. Church could always do with the money, but... I'd rather have my freedom, it's fine. <laughs> Keep the gift. And there have been times we just, it's okay, I think, I think we'll just go with that. Because what they're doing, what the world does is it, is it buys you. It's not, the gift isn't really a gift. That's how, I don't give it as the world gives it. See, Jesus is saying, this peace that I give to you is a peace, it is a gift which comes into your life. Now, in the Old Testament, the disciples would have understood that a gift of peace was something which had far more meaning than we would understand it today. And one of the reasons for this was in Leviticus, in the Levitical um, law, the way the process of gifts were given or uh, were given to the priests for sacrifices, that there were there were three um, gifts given, uh, and one of them would have been the uh, would have been the sin offering. The other would have been the trespass or the guilt offering. And then with that, um, if, the, if the giver wanted to give a free will, peace offering could have also been added to the offering at the same time. Now the sin offering was for the sin. It's the, the sin offering, <coughs> excuse me, got a tickle. The, the sin offering is just about your sin. It's, about, it's a general offering for the sinful nature of who we are. And so this, we, we, we sin, we, we are sinful people, and so we're repenting of our sin. And then there was the guilt offering. And the guilt offering that, that came was, was um, specific for a specific event. And it was dealing, it, sin offering was, was restitutional. Is that a word? I just made it up. It was a, I put all on the end of restitution. It's a restitution, it's dealing with the issue of the guilt of sin. For instance, if, if, if I was to um, walk down the street and, and um, get very annoyed with McDonald's, I would, and throw a brick through the window. I don't suggest you doing so, but, um, but if I did such an event, there would be an issue of guilt for which I have to deal with legally, and then there's an issue of restitution. McDonald's want a new window. 
The trespass offering was, a, was restitutional. If your sin was against God, then you bring a sacrifice and it, it's to God. God receives the, the, the guilt offering and, and the guilt is dealt with. But if your sin involved the loss of someone else, when you brought your offering, you had to restore back to them as well as bring to God because there's the legal side and the restitutional side. That's the trespass That's the trespass offering. But then there's the peace offering. And the amazing thing about the peace offering is that it involved no sin. It wasn't about sin. It was about relationship. It was about bringing a a relationship situation. It was about restoring relationship. One was about guilt, was about sin, was about our humanity, was about our weakness, was about our frailty, was about all of those things. How many times do you spend your life thinking about your own frailty, your humanity, your weakness, your foolishness, the, the, the things you don't see, don't get? The, how many times do we come? Kind of, oh but the peace offering wasn't an offering about sin, it was an offering about relationship. And when the peace offering was brought, the lamb would be brought to the altar. It was a lamb perfect and without blemish. And the, the priest would kill the, um, would kill the lamb at the offering. And then he would divide it up. And the fat, and all the fat would be taken off. And God took the fat. It's very kind of him because who wants to eat that, right? And it was divided three ways. And the offering, the priest would, uh, the, the priest would burn the fat for God. The the priest would keep for himself the shoulder and the breast. And then the man who brought the offering would eat the rest. It was basically a great meal for everyone. And what it caused was actually something called satisfaction. That everyone was satisfied with the event. And you know, see, satisfaction is something... That brings peace. See, when a gift is given, gift brings satisfaction. It creates peace, which means that everyone is in relationship with each other. You see, there is a gift of peace which changes the circumstance, the environment that is around us. A few years ago, um, about six years ago, Cheryl and I were driving into um, Ellen with my brother, And we happened upon an incident where uh, a woman had taken her own life. um, And she was was there um, in the road, um, had already passed away. And um, the police had only just arrived and we just happened to be there. It was a a very traumatic experience. But the, the, the unfolding story was even more traumatic. It was the story of a woman who had been in a car accident three years earlier and killed a girl as she got off the school bus on the way home from school, racked with guilt uh, and terrible agony of her own heart. She's then pursued by the family of the girl, first through criminal court and then through civil court, and they just wouldn't let it go. They just kept pursuing her and just pursuing her. Because why? Well, because they wanted justice. They, 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 they felt... They felt wronged and they wanted justice and they couldn't let it go and the result meant that the woman then took her life but but no one justice was never served the agony of the heart meant that justice was never dealt with no there was never a a satisfying end I compare that to 
1990, I believe, you you can get me wrong, those of you from Ireland will will know the date better than me, but I believe it was 97, the Omaha bomb. uh, Was it 97? Omar. I was at Omaha. That's America, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Omar. The Omar bomb, right. I knew something was wrong when I said that. felt very foolish. The Omar bomb in 1997 was, was one of the most terrible events in Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland's history. But it was a turning point in the peace process. And one of the very small aspects of that turning point was the story of a father who'd lost his daughter. And I remember listening on the radio and he just said this, I forgive them. I forgive them. See, see what the father did was bring a gift of peace in the, when he could have demanded justice. His demand for justice would have meant everybody else's demand for justice, which was justice. Justice never finds a resolution and it's never satisfied. But the father brought a gift of peace. And that gift of peace satisfied him. It was, he was sharing a meal of a perfect lamb when the man, wow. father, and the priest were all satisfied and relationship was restored. And I think that, that that father played, if only, a tiny part in a small part of process that's, already, that's still beginning to unfold in a country wracked with, with anger and hatred and a sense of injustice the gift of peace is a gift which brings about satisfaction because it has appeased. It, it, hasn't, dealt with the, it hasn't dealt with the wrong. What it's done, done is, is it's taken it to another level and saying, I'm forgiving you. Let's start again. I'm forgiving you. Let's not deal with that. Let's deal with this, who we are. Let's move on to another place. See, see the gift of peace, and peace appeases, it propitiates. That's what Christ did when he gave his life on the cross. He was the priest, uh, he was the lamb, uh, and he gave his life uh, in, in sacrifice for our sin, and uh, our sin was our sin. The sin of the world is so huge. We look around the world, and we look at it, and we look, and there is the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and He gave His His life um, as as the Lamb, and He gave His life as the Lamb for our sin. He gave His our, His life uh, as a Lamb for our guilt, and He gave His life as a Lamb for our peace. And our peace, it, the peace. Part of his offering is the peace that, that is the offering meal that comes without sin. This is not about sin. This amazing thing about peace is, is, is not about dealing with our guilt. It's not about dealing with our weakness or our humanity. What it's about is about having the most satisfying meal you could possibly have when you're sitting there and you put your knife and fork down, you pick up your napkin, you've wiped your mouth, you sit back, you hold your stomach, you may even undo the top button of your trousers and you go "Mm, that was good and not only was it good the company was good see the thing about a proper meal is not just the taste of the food it is actually the company you eat it with a meal on your own regardless of how tasty is just wrong I can't tell you when I've traveled how many of you have traveled alone and you've been in place you go into a restaurant table for one please and you know that in your restaurant, you're that man. Everyone else is looking going, poor bloke. 
Maybe he was stood up. <laughs> and you're just there and you're just eating. I remember once I was in Denmark and it was breakfast time. I was in a hotel and it was breakfast time. I'm eating away and um, in rest, in, I don't know about you, but when you're in a hotel, it's breakfast time. You eat as much as you possibly can. And uh, you don't, uh, during the week, during, during the week you, you, you just take the small little piece of toast or whatever you can grab, uh, and that's it. But in a hotel, you've paid for it, you're eating it, all of it. <laughs> so I'm in the hotel, and there I am, and it's, 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 it's around me, and I've got this plate. <laughs> put it on the table, put it down. But then the restaurant fills up, and people are looking for tables, but there aren't enough tables for all the people coming for breakfast. And there, and there I am, and my, my food is covering the whole table, and I have one table and three chairs, and I'm sitting there, <laughs> eating it all. But I see this couple, and I look at them, and they're wandering around, and they're going, and I'm just thinking to myself, a meal on your own, it's not good. I just wave them over and say, would you like to share the table with me? And uh, they kind of look, there's a little awkwardness, you know, that kind of awkward, you know, what do we do, what do we talk about? Uh, but just the ability to be able to share that moment. Here's the thing, right? A peace offering is an offering that changes the environment. Let me tell you one more story. I was um, driving uh, when Heidi was very small. We were driving to Stonehaven to drop her off at a friend's house, and um, we were. It's um, when Boaz had only just been. Uh, Boaz was quite small; um, would have been a baby. We would. We, I'm just trying to date it all together. I was driving a Kia Mentor, which meant that it was about 2001, 2000. Yeah, 2001. And uh, we're, driving, we're driving on South, um, South Anderson Drive. We've just gone past Great Western Road, uh, come through the traffic lights, and we're coming down. The traffic slowed up ahead of me. I braked. The guy behind me just didn't stop. Slammed into the back of us. Heidi was really, really upset. She was on the on the back seat, and she was upset. She was very, very young. And, and it was just in that kind of, you know, and you just feel like... And uh, so I drive across, and I have to. The only place to stop was was to turn right across the traffic in front of me. And he pulls in, and, and he's in that sort of apologetic but slightly belligerent mode. He doesn't know which way this thing's going to play, uh, how I'm going to be. Am I the man with the shovel? Uh, <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know who I. What I mean. And I realise at that moment in time, I got a choice. What do I bring? So this situation, so we got out and we looked at it. His car was mangled, and, uh, which probably helped me. And uh, <laughs> and I got out and we looked around. And the first thing I went, I said, are you all right? Yeah, 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 I'm fine. And then I just met him with kindness. I found in that place to just meet him with kindness. It just threw him sideways. He didn't know, because he was ready to be argumentative and belligerent. But he had nothing to meet with that, because we just, so we just went around, we did our business. Here's the reality. There wasn't any damage to my car at all. I mean, none whatsoever. I just drove home. <laughs> I don't know what the guy did, but, but we, we, we just shared details and anything. But I just I said, you know, I hope everything works out for you. I shook his hand, and we drove on. And it was, one of the, it was the moment that I realized what you can bring changes everything. There is a gift of peace that changes so the perspective of everything that we are looking at. Peace changes the perspective. It's a gift 
that we bring. It appeases, it propitiates. It's what Christ did for us and it's what we bring into the lives of others. It doesn't matter whether we're the guilty party or whether we are the party receiving the wrong. Someone needs to bring a gift. And if it's got to be someone, it may as well be you. Bring a gift. Let it be peace. Let's change the perspective with which we see our... Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.